0: thanks so much for having um, the Creative Coalition today. It's my honor to introduce uh, Congressman Leonard Lance, who is the co-chair of the House Arts Caucus. Uh, Congressman Lance represents the 7th District of New Jersey. Uh, Before Congress, he served in the state legislature, where he left his mark by having the Lance Amendment passed to their state constitution, which requires all state borrowing uh, to be approved by the voters. Now, in his fifth term in Congress, the Congressman is a member of the Energy and Commerce Committee, which we know is a very important committee. Um, He's a representative who listens to all views uh, to achieve solutions, which he's known for here. So on today's topic of uh, funding for the arts, uh, I know Congressman Lance can share some perspectives, not just from the national level, but from experience he had recently over recess. He visited a Theater for Everyone program in his community uh, that was the first theater class for students with autism and other developmental disabilities. The Playhouse that teaches this class received a $40,000 grant from the the National Endowment for the Arts for autism-friendly programs. I'll let Congressman Lance tell you how impressed he was by the performance of the students. There, um, Please uh, let me uh, welcome Congressman Leonard Lance to the podium. You.
1: Well, I thank you very much for that uh, overly generous introduction. When I see my wife later tonight, I will uh, repeat some of your kind remarks. <laughs> <laughs> this, as you know, is a fly out date for us on Capitol Hill and in my case i uh, take the train from here to uh, a stop above Philadelphia and below New York in uh, north central New Jersey but uh, many of my colleagues are leaving uh, as we speak uh, to go home to their districts as uh, all in the room uh, will recall uh, it used to be the case that members of Congress by and large lived in Washington. But that is no longer the case because of mass transit. Uh, Indeed, the fabled Speaker of the House, Sam Rayburn, said that the jet airplane had ruined Congress. Um, uh, Perhaps there's some truth to that. I think it's better when we're able to to, uh, be together. and It's very difficult to demonize someone if uh, uh, his children and your children are playing soccer together. Um, uh, To the Ripon Society, I have always considered this group to be among the most effective, not only anywhere here in Washington, but anywhere in the United States. Ladies and gentlemen, will you join me in thanking the Ripon Society. (laughs) I do have the honor of being the Republican chair of the Arts Caucus in the House. The Democratic chair is my colleague, Louise Slaughter of uh, Rochester, New York. Uh, And we tried to work Together on these issues. I am also the Republican chair of the Humanities Caucus and David Price of North Carolina is the Democratic chair. Uh, There was not a long line of Republicans interested in being chairs of these caucuses and I am am chair of both of them. And uh, I I think that uh, that informs me in my views on the issues we will be discussing today. Uh, as, As most in the audience know, well, but perhaps not all of our uh, distinguished uh, guests uh, from the performing arts, a budget document in Washington is not the appropriations of funds. And this is different from most state capitals. When one speaks of a state budget, uh, be it in Albany or in Sacramento, or in my case in Trenton, uh, the budget document is the document that actually appropriates funds and state budgets range i think in new jersey it's about 35 billion dollars a year in california it would be two or three hundred billion dollars a year um but the budget document that was unveiled by the trump administration is merely a blueprint as to how to move forward and uh, it is uh, an indicator of where the administration would like to see funds expended but it does not expend a penny That is done through the appropriations process. And uh, those who work on Capitol Hill will be intimately familiar with this. Uh, The appropriations process is uh, longer in duration than the budget process. The budget process is concluded in the spring. When it is concluded, it's not always concluded. Sometimes we don't have a budget document. But the real operation of government uh, funding-wise is through the appropriations process. And to that end, as you know, the, the, uh, the Congress has passed a continuing resolution uh, to continue to fund the government for another week, and then we will pass another continuing resolution at the end of next week to fund the government of the United States through the end of the fiscal year, September 30th. Um, I think we're very fortunate in the United States that the chairman of the House Appropriations Committee is my dear friend and nearest neighbor in Congress. Rodney Proctor Frelinghuysen, who represents the district just north of the district I represent in uh, Northern New Jersey. Um, As the audience will will know, uh, Congressman Frelinghuysen comes from a very distinguished family. Uh, One of his ancestors ran for vice president with Henry Clay in 1844. The motto that year of, of what was then the Whig party, the predecessor of the Republican party was, the country's rising for Clay and Frelinghuysen. Unfortunately, the country didn't rise quite high enough uh, Rodney uh, does an excellent job as our new chair of the Appropriations Committee and he succeeds uh, Chairman Rogers of Kentucky. Um, and there are, to, to our distinguished uh, guests from, from the arts, uh, there are various subcommittees, including the subcommittee that deals with the Department of the Interior. That's Congressman Calvert, who is the subcommittee chair. And in the appropriations process, The subcommittee chairs are known colloquially here on Capitol Hill as cardinals. And so Jeremy Calvert is a cardinal in the appropriations process. I guess that makes Rodney Frelinghuysen the Pope. (laughs) But we already have two Popes on Earth. I'm not sure we need a third. Um, And so it's important... Uh, that uh, our uh, guests here and uh, those throughout the United States uh, uh, contact uh, those involved in the process, particularly on the Appropriations Committee, to indicate that we need continued funding for the arts and for the humanities and for the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Uh, This group will know that these three uh, entities, I call them a three-legged stool, were first enacted by President Johnson in 1965 at the height of the Great Society. And uh, uh, they have flourished for more than 50 years. And indeed, we celebrated the 50th anniversary of of these fine organizations recently. Uh, There was an attempt more than 20 years ago, I think in 1995, to defund these entities That was when my side of the aisle took control of Congress after the election of 1994. But that attempt failed. And I assure this audience that the attempt to defund these entities, including the National Endowment for the Humanities and the National Endowment for the Arts, the Corporation of Public Broadcasting, but we're talking about uh, the arts portion of that at lunch today, I assure this audience that the attempt this year, ladies and gentlemen, will fail as well. Bree <laughs> of our staff, of our very competent staff, has put in uh, each of seat, your seats uh, a, 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 a depiction of, of, of what is involved in, in this matter. I will point out that uh, the nonprofit arts industry generates $135 billion in economic activity and supports over 4 million full-time jobs. The NEA and the NEH each consist of only .003% of the nearly $4 trillion federal budget, receiving approximately $150 million apiece. For every dollar the United States spends on federal arts initiatives, nine non-federal dollars are leveraged, generating roughly $600 million in matching support. With last year's federal arts appropriation of roughly $150 million, the industry returned $10 billion to the federal government in income taxes, and and, um, this is based upon all of the activity that occurs as a result of, of a theater, for example, or an art museum, uh, restaurants and, and other activities. And of course, uh, the arts have been responsible for reviving some of our cities in this country. Uh, I resigned all of my nonprofit boards when I came here to Washington because I didn't want anybody to accuse me of some sort of conflict of interest. But I uh, was privileged to serve on the board of MacArthur Theater in Princeton, one of the great regional theaters in this country on the board of the Newark Museum, one of the great museums in this country. And uh, I am aware of the activity that exists in both Newark, New Jersey, an inner city with significant challenges, and uh, in Princeton, New Jersey, a a flourishing suburban community based upon uh, these entities that exist in those communities, the Newark Museum and McCarter Theatre. As as was indicated uh, last week, I did have the opportunity to witness a program for autistic children at the Paper Mill Playhouse in Milburn, New Jersey, which is also one of the great regional uh, institutions of, of fine art in this country. And so it seems to me from an economic standpoint, and I try to impress this upon my Republican colleagues, from an economic standpoint it makes perfect sense to continue funding for these programs. And It does so because it creates so many jobs, both directly and indirectly, and that in turn means more federal taxation in the coffers here in Washington to support other programs, not only programs related to the arts and the humanities. Um, Beyond the economic activity, there is the fundamental question of how we should proceed as a society. And this society is, of course, in competition with other societies across the globe. And I think it's imperative that the American society uh, be known for uh, its cultural achievements as well as its achievements in other areas. Some of you may recall from your reading of history that when uh, John Kennedy uh, uh, went up to Amherst uh, in the autumn of 1963, October 1963, a month before his death, in uh, the groundbreaking of the Robert Frost Library. Uh, He stated that the United States should be known not only for its prowess in uh, economic activity and in military activity, uh, but for the strength of our civilization as well. Uh, Those words are as true today as when they were spoken. Uh, so many years ago in the autumn of 1963. I assure uh, this distinguished group that there is support on both sides of the aisle in the Republican conference, in the Democratic conference, on the House side, which I'm privileged to serve, and bicamerally in the Senate as well with Republicans and Democrats uh, involved in the Senate, making sure that this funding uh, continues. Um, Sometimes it's exciting to be involved in a fight on Capitol Hill and uh, I'm excited about this because this gives us the opportunity, ladies and gentlemen, to point out all of the advantages of this very, very, very modest funding and uh, it is an attempt, really an opportunity, to reengage the public, reminding the public that for what is in effect a pittance in federal funding, 0.003% for each of these groups. Uh, So much is achieved in return, the strength of the society in its entirety for helping young people appreciate the arts and for making sure uh, that we progress as a nation as we should and I am convinced we will continue to progress in this and in so many areas I am pleased you are involved in this effort, that we are involved together, and I look forward to our eventual victory and to uncorking several bottles of champagne as we win our fight in the appropriations process for the fiscal year 2018. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Thank you, Congressman. Boy, that was very inspiring. It's my pleasure now to introduce the president of the Creative Coalition, Tim Daly. The Creative Coalition was founded in 1989 by some prominent members of the creative community like Ron Silver, Christopher Reeve, and Susan Sarandon as a way for the arts and entertainment community to advocate on issues of public importance. Tim, with a successful acting career on stage, on screen, and behind the scenes as a producer, is carrying on that tradition. In achieving its mission, the Creative Coalition is, well, trying to be very creative right now. The name of its current project is The Right to Bear Arts. It's designed to raise awareness and support for the creative arts, including maintaining federal funding for the NEA and the National Endowment for Humanities. And as some of you may have seen, we even have uh, its own T-shirt for publicity, The Right to Bear Arts, which some people are wearing today, which you can find on their website. The Right to Bear Arts project is based on many studies, which uh, you've heard about in regards to the, uh, the effect that arts has on achievement in uh, students in school. So without further ado, I welcome the president of the Creative Coalition, Tim Daly.
2: Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Congressman Lance, and thanks to the uh, Ripon Society for having us here. Uh, it's funny, I didn't, I didn't know this until you spoke, but I have really fond memories of the Paper Mill Playhouse because my dad did summer theater there when I was a kid and it was one of the most magical places you can imagine. Uh, this is back when you know, kids could wander around in places like the fly loft and no one would sue you for it. But I was always you know, having this great experience of kind of peeking out from behind the, the, uh, the wings and seeing what the actors were doing. Um, anyway, so uh, Jim gave a brief description of what the Creative Coalition is. Uh, you know, I, our prim- primary objective is to protect <coughs> and to promote the arts in the United States. And we do that by supporting the National Endowment for the Arts and also by um, speaking very powerfully, I think, about uh, the importance of public arts education. You know, I, I do this political TV show called Madam Secretary. And one of the great and genius things about this show is that we never say the words Democrat or Republican. And we have an enormous fan base on both sides of the aisle. And I think by removing those labels, people actually listen to what we're saying. So they're not predisposed to lean one way or another based on a little letter that's by someone's name. So I I was thinking that if on the show we um, talked about uh, a federal program that cost very little money, uh, that returned uh, $9 to the federal treasury for every dollar that was spent, that affected every single congressional district in the United States of America and had a profound effect on the entire population, uh, I think people would think that's a pretty good idea. Um, the thing is that, that that already exists. It's called the National Endowment for the Arts. Um, and I think that the fact that it touches the entire country is kind of brilliant. Um, and uh, Congressman Lance, we're going to hold you to what you said about your guarantee <laughs> that it will not go away. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's interesting because there's, there's all this data about um, the economic benefits of the arts. There's a lot of data about uh, how arts affect students. Um, you know, a full curriculum in the arts is likely to raise students' test scores by 100 points. Uh, they're three times more likely to graduate from high school. They're more civically active. They make more money. They're more likely to go to college. In, in short, it improves their lives in every way. Um, and the data is good, and it, and it makes sense, uh, um, you know, to, to talk about it. But uh, I also feel obliged to talk somewhat about the, um, the sort of more, more woo-woo aspects of art and, and the, 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 the effect of arts on our, our national soul. Um, and I think that, you know, it's interesting. I, I was saying earlier today that If any of you have kids, and I'm sure some of you do, there's some point in their lives when they're, you know, about four years old, they've come to you with a painting or a picture of something. And you've looked at it, and it could be really wonderful, or it could be really horrible. (laughs) Nonetheless, you look at that picture, and you say, honey, this is beautiful. And bang, up it goes on the fridge, right? There it is. And the look on that kid's face is one of utter empowerment, because you've said to them, I acknowledge the thing that you have created and I have g- empowered you to go off into this world where you can be a creative, imaginative person. Um, and I think that, um, you know, the National Endowment for the Arts, and particularly arts education, uh, need to be strengthened because um, in in the this, this world, in, this, in our economy, in our current state, we need to have imaginative thinkers. As a matter of fact, I understand that there are a lot of Heads of Fortune 500 companies here. And I remember um, a recent survey of Fortune 500 companies that said that the number one thing they wanted in their employees was creative thinkers. And I understand why. Uh, but creativity is a muscle. And that muscle is exercised by the gym of the arts. And if that creative muscle is strong, then the imagination stays alive. And then you have an engineer who is not a cog in the machine, you have an engineer who is inventing the machine. Um, and you have a chance at imagining a future that is better for all of us. So, um, keeping the imagination of our society and especially our children alive is of utmost importance. Um, I would, I'll just tell you a, a brief story, and forgive me, for those of you who have heard this, but uh, a couple of years ago, I was invited to this podcast, a British podcast, called The Infinite Monkey Cage, which is a big hit on the BBC, and it was their first time they had um, broadcast from New York. So there's a guy named Robin Ince, who's a comedian, and an astrophysicist named Brian Cox, uh, who hosts this show. It's sort of a humorous look at the cosmos. The other guests were Bill Nye, the science guy, who's sort of ubiquitous, and a woman um, who had just written a book uh, from Columbia named uh, Jenna Lavin who was a big brain cosmologist who, you know, had some new theory about the universe, and me. <laughs> so I uh, spent a good deal of time marveling at the uh, curiosity and expertise and the, the intricate and, and profound thinking of these people, all the time wondering, what the hell am I doing here with these folks? And then... Um, I realized that projected above us on the stage was a quote from Carl Sagan. You have Carl Sagan in your mind. He wrote uh, The Cosmos, he was a a uh, big-brained theoretical um, astrophysicist. And the the quote said, For small creatures such as we, the vastness is only bearable through love. And I thought, now I know exactly why I'm here. I know why I was invited to be with these scientists because none of it makes any difference unless it's put into a human context, right? The emotional part of it and the love that these people felt for this knowledge and were able to disseminate is what makes it important. If we don't have a human impulse towards technology, towards science, towards mathematics, um, then it's not worth much. Uh, that's why I've spent many years um, you know, yelling at the, at the former administration and the current administration about, about how STEM should become STEAM, which it has. Um, because the arts are the province of humanity, right? The arts take um, the things that make us human, all the, for better or for worse, anger, violence, lust, love, compassion, empathy, uh, kindness, uh, gratitude, puts it all on the table for us to look at. And the more we look at it, the more we understand it, and the more that will connect us as human beings. Uh, arts are the universal language of humanity. So that's why I'm here, and that's why the creative coalition is here. And um, I think that, um, you know, the one other thing I'll say is about um, the right to bear arts, uh, which is uh, something that I came up with because I feel like we have a problem in this country of uh, taking ownership of our artistic selves. Um, it's very likely that if I said to someone, um, are you a golfer? they say, yeah, I'm a golfer, I golf every week, I love playing golf, right? They don't think I'm asking them if they play on the PGA Tour. If I say to someone, are you an artist? They're like, no, no, I'm not an artist, not at all. <laughs> but if I dig down a little bit, and I say, do you sing in your church choir? Oh yeah, I do, oh yeah. Do you sew you know, costumes to your kid's school play? Yes, I love doing that. <laughs> do you pick flowers from your garden to make bouquets? It's one of my passions. So the truth is that all of us have an artistic impulse. We all participated in it every single day of our lives. And if we can imagine removing some of the artistic things from our lives that we take for granted, then we'll start to get an idea of where we're at. Imagine a military funeral without taps. Imagine the Kentucky Derby without that trumpet that sounds the, the call to the beginning of the race. Imagine. Uh, a ball game without the national anthem or the seventh inning stretch. These things are are ingrained in us, um, and I think it's time that we all start uh, taking advantage of our right to bear arts as citizens, and not as professional artists, but as human beings who sing in the car, who jam in our basement, who uh, you know uh, paint or doodle, you know, when we're in the office. Um, these are things that bond us as human beings. And we uh, need to start speaking about them with the pride and honor and respect that they deserve. Um, and not belittling them and not being ashamed to label ourselves artists, even though we may not make our living that way. So um, I, I, that was my thinking behind that. Anyway, thank you all so much for being here. I'm not going to introduce... Oh, wait, don't clap there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to introduce our delegation. I think we're going to have a little... Uh, yeah, and then uh,
0: Congressman Lance is going to come and up and do some Q&A Oh, okay. great.
2: Okay, so we have with us... Justin Bartha, very well-known from The Hangout. Robin Brown, CEO of The Creative Coalition. Tim Daly. <laughs> Catherine Erzer, who plays my TV daughter? Where is she? <laughs> She's there. there okay. right. uh, Caroline Hurst, the founder of Carolines on Broadway, the great club, I hope you've been here. <laughs> we can key, like who does that, sound. Alaa <laughs> Khaled, um, Chad Lowe, Wendy McClendon uh, Brendan Covey, Alyssa Milano, Dennis O'Hare, Alisa Pugliese, did I say that right? Hope close it I got you. Okay, close listen. Uh, Nick Sandow, Aaron Stanton, Matt Walsh, Sarah Wayne, Callie's, uh, so, um, and me. Uh, so now, great. So thank you.
0: There's some other folks who can ask questions, so please raise your hands, and we can uh, folks will come around with a microphone to have your question uh, asked. Thanks. I used to teach high school. Um, I'm wondering, and I, I have to say that when kids had performing arts projects, which were incorporated into the regular scholastic stuff, I think they did much better. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about STEAM versus STEM and what you tried to do with that and, and what progress you have made and how all the funding jazz works. Thanks. Well,
2: actually, I, I was um, at the White House maybe eight years ago, and um, the Obama administration, um, as I think the, uh, the Bush administration, had this big push for STEM education, right, science, technology, engineering, and math. And I was at a, a meeting, of, a small meeting, and they kept asking us to push STEM education. And frankly, I got pissed off. And I stood up and I said, that it's is a crappy idea. acronym. I said, it's a crappy acronym because people who don't already know what it is are going to think it's STEM cell research. Yeah. And I said, also, where is the A for arts? As I said, arts are the thing that put those, um, those other things into a human context, right? And especially now uh... in this world where we don't really have to know the date when the Magna Carta was signed because we can pull out our phone and look at it right? we need to find a different way to educate people and get them interested in in technology and engineering you know, I I like the example of, I'm sure you've all heard about this musical, Hamilton right? here's this hip-hop musical that has gotten uh, kids all over this country know every word to that, and it's got them excited about Alexander Hamilton and George Washington and Aaron Byrne about history because it reaches them in a different way other than trying to teach them a hard, hard cold fact which they can get on their phone. So that was my impulse. And then and there was some success, sorry, because um, it, when the uh, Elementary and Secondary Education Act was reauthorized, it, the... Um, I, I believe the um, federal designation became "steam," uh, thanks to the Congressional Steam Caucus, which was a bipartisan group, which uh, added an amendment to that um, that uh, that bill.
1: Uh, I uh, speak every year to the uh, young people who have uh, been accepted to Princeton, the in, the in the metropolitan area here in Washington, and that event occurred two days ago, I guess. And I, I was speaking to one of the young people and. He said, uh, Peter, he was going to uh, major in astrophysics and art history. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I only ever took the, the Woodrow Wilson School degree there, not, not, not these sophisticated uh, topics. But I was very impressed. And um, uh, it, it's, it's clear to me that, that <coughs> the statistics demonstrate that for, for young children that if they are exposed early to the arts, that they do so much better over the course of their academic career. And so I think it's important that uh, that we stress that as well as the economic benefits. And regarding Alexander Hamilton, um, as you know, members of Congress can give tours of the White House and we let our uh, constituents into the White House and one gains entrance through the, through the East Wing. And, next to the Treasury Building and there is a statue of a- Alexander Hamilton right there and, and I point out to the children uh, who are going into the White House constituents of mine that this was Alexander Hamilton before hip-hop. <laughs> and, uh, I'm not sure that they're all aware of that but most of them are aware of, 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 of the, the play in New York. and I, I suppose I'm next going to be asked about um, uh, hello, Dolly, and, and about Bette Midler. Uh, I understand forty-two million dollars in advance tickets have been sold for that. So, so it, the the arts thrive in this country, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Hi there, I'm Amy Best with American Express. I'm eight months
2: pregnant, and already my son is a fan of the arts. He loves to dance. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, Amy, it's hip hop, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did want to say that, um, you know, at American Express and so many of the organizations that are represented here today, we strongly support the arts and arts education. Um, and we were hearing from Alyssa the good work that you all are doing pounding the pavement today here in Washington. What ways can we kind of combine these efforts and what ways can our organization specifically support? Creative Coalition here in Washington, and, and what you are working on um, to protect
0: the, the funding for the arts and, and humanities.
2: I'm going to let our CEO answer that
0: question. <laughs> Thank you for the greatest gift, <laughs> saying that you know that you want to work hand in. We, as a nonprofit, we can't do what we do and fight the good fight without organizations like American Express and all of you here. So we. We got ideas and we got people. We have um, something that we want to do, town halls. Uh, Alyssa and I were just talking about town halls around the country to bring leaders, celebrities in the entertainment industry back to their hometowns because those are your best champions. They went through it. We have a public school alumni association. Again, bring the people back to their hometowns. And um, I will babysit for your child forever (laughs) if you just give me your card.
1: I think it should be pointed out that, that this funding goes throughout America. This is not primarily in New York or in Los Angeles. It's not at all. It's in every congressional district. And uh, someone told me many, many years ago that uh, she had become interested in the arts as a small child in Texas because... Uh, Texaco was the sponsor of the Metropolitan Opera on Saturday afternoon. And uh, without the sponsorship of that great company, as American Express is a great company, that she would not have been able on the radio to hear the Metropolitan Opera from, from New York in, in, in a town in, in, in South Texas. And so uh, corporate responsibility is something we thank. We thank you. For, for what you're doing and we urge all of the great companies in the room to recognize that you are an indispensable part of this of this larger hall anybody else let me say that this has been a lot more uh, enjoyable than my recent town hall meetings <laughs> <laughs> first had 1,400 of my closest friends, the next had 900, and we were down to 700. We think that's going in the right direction. Uh, And uh, This town hall meeting today has been very cordial, and I want to thank all who have come to Capitol Hill so that we can work together on this important issue. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Thank Thank you all very
2: much. Justin, bring back the new normal. We want that program back. You see. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Enjoy the, the rest of the weekend. Good luck to you.